Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, managing editor, FightfulMMA.com. And FightfulMMA.com has a major weekend. We're talking Bellator 221. We're talking UFC 237. We've got live coverage of that. We've got interviews. You know the drill. All that good stuff this weekend. Make sure you guys join in on the live coverage. Uh, hundreds of comments, thousands of comments over there. We have a great community. We have a pick them before the show as well. But we're going to talk about those shows. We're going to talk about Ottawa. We're going to talk about a little bit of everything. We are joined today, as always, by Showdown Joe. Joe, how are you? What's up, guys? Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us live, as always. What's going on? And we are joined for maybe the last time ever, James Lynch. James, how you doing? How dramatic. Uh, yes, um, I'm, I'm, do- I'm doing great. But look, I, it doesn't mean I can't come on again. It just won't be on every week. You know, if you want me back, more than happy to do it. I can clear Listen, my schedule. I'm ready to play that Michelle Branch goodbye to you song <laughs> and all that. I'm like, Aerosmith, uh, you yeah. know, from, from Armageddon, that song. But, uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, t- I'll take whatever I can get, so. Oh, well, we got lots to talk about on this day. Let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, we, we previewed the PFL event uh, last week, but there has been a change. Chris Curtis has a new opponent. Um, Andre Fialho, I believe it is. Uh, not much more to add to that, but we had UFC Ottawa this weekend, and the big story was the performance from Donald Cowboy Cerrone beat the brakes off of Ally Aquinta. This was an outstanding showcase for Cerrone, Joe. It was something else, man. It was so, listen, we got to give credit to Ally Quinta. Come on. I mean, this guy here would not go away. He took an absolute beating. Listen, I mean, you and your mortgage homeboys over there. I, I don't care about, <laughs> I don't care about all this little, little. I wasn't even going there. I wasn't even going there. I'm just saying, and there, when, when I see a fighter, uh, male or female, show the resolve of the human spirit that no matter what, the beating they are absolutely taken they keep moving forward and he landed some nice shots against Cerrone but as you mentioned Cowboy looked absolutely majestic and fantastic on there and what, what I mean what's coming up next for him is going to be interesting to discuss but he just looked absolutely incredible um I, I didn't think he'd be able to last some of those punches that was being thrown his way because he got nailed a few times 
But man, it just I, I cannot express to you guys, James, I think you know the, the, the times that uh, me, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Cotton, uh, James, uh, not James, excuse me, uh, Jacob Clark at the time, when we went over to the many times at Albuquerque to watch uh, the team practice. And every time Donald Cerrone just hitting the mat or the mitts was just beauty, majestic. I'm not, I'm not saying he's as beautiful and, and eloquent as Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, but when it comes to Muay Thai technique, speed, and precision, Donald Cerrone is something else. And the thud that I would hear when he would hit those pads with his coach was something else. He's just an unbelievable technician, and his, his execution of striking is unbelievable. And we saw it, especially when he decided to pick up the pace in that main event in Ottawa. He is something beautiful to behold sometimes. James, this was was just so impressive. I had mentioned that Ally Quinta, you know, he's had these long layoffs. He's faced some opponents that maybe weren't at their best. Donald Cerrone was at his best on Saturday night, and unfortunately for Iaquinta, he couldn't overcome that. But now you, you've got Cerrone with this great performance. The natural conversation is going to be Conor McGregor. But I want to know what you think about his performance and uh, his immediate future. It's just it's so remarkable because you know if you look at sort of the patterns of fighters, you know Iaquinta comes off this huge win over Kevin Lee. You think he's you know he's right up there at the top. I mean, forget about the Habib loss, all that. You know, you think he's right at the top, and Cerrone just goes out there and completely beats the brakes off him. The same Cerrone who not that long ago you know was losing the Leon Edwards and Darren Till at welterweight. Like it's crazy to see how quickly someone can turn things around. And complete credit to Donald Cerrone. He has really kicked it into another gear. I know they sort of joked about Dad Cerrone as sort of being this new sort of rebirth in his career, but he looks great i think he's he's right up there in that top five or you know even the top three right now i think he's he's that impressive like to do what he did i mean when was the last time we saw Iaquinta lose like that i mean usually it's like a quick thing or you know even with habib i mean he had his moments in that fight but i mean this was just a complete beatdown and uh good for donald cerrone and uh you know again he's he's never won a title but i mean he's got to be you know one of the all-time greats especially that he's been able to kick it into a second gear in this in this half of his career beyond that uh just cerrone overcoming the weight cut that, that was a question we had as he gets older how would the weight cut affect him apparently not that much this was very good i have a full post show on this uh event over on our youtube channel youtube.com slash fightful mma boxing make sure you guys subscribe if you're watching live on youtube leave us a thumbs up that really helps number nine Derek brunson defeated number 13 elias theodore this was not good elias's fighting style is not a crowd pleaser and while I understand his his notion of being a puzzle that is difficult to solve, Joe, sometimes it just doesn't work. And he says that Brunson wasn't as aggressive as he thought he would be, and Brunson wasn't as aggressive as I thought he would be. But there are an awful lot of those strikes that I don't think were going to be successful no matter what. That being said, that happens a lot with Elias, where he lands strikes that I don't expect to be successful. Uh, you know the man very well. What did you think of this this fight? I didn't think the performance was good at all, and I think he knows it. I think if he was to watch it again, he would understand that uh, there's something going on here. I mean, we got to give a bit of credit to Derek Brunson because if you and I go back to the conversation we had after his fight, the podcast directly after uh, his fight with Robert Whitaker, we're like, dude, you're in a five-round fight. What are you doing? Like, you're just going way too fast in the first round. Right. So he, I guess he's learned his lesson that, you know, you got to start pacing yourself and did good in the first round, kind of slowed down the second round and then just took over in the third round, uh, especially with the, uh, the air Brunson takedown there. So um, in terms of Elias, uh, you know, some of the stuff that he was throwing and, and it, it, I, I kind of felt bad, you know, you're in Ottawa, you're being booed. You're, you're in the co-main event. You're the, you're the highest ranking Canadian right now. And you're in the co-main event 
and now the Canadian fans are booing you, something's going on. I mean, there was that one incident, uh, I think it was in the second or third round, where he was running for a while, and it wasn't like he was running to get back to the center of the cage, and, and he was just running, and it just it just wasn't a good look. And I'm sure he'll go back and take a look and say, you know what, I can't be doing stuff like that. And, you know, even some of the hammer fists that, that are unorthodox when he's standing up and he's throwing that, you know, standing club fist sort of thing. Uh, he may want to start thinking twice about that. And then, you know, he just got beat uh, by a better fighter that night. James, your thoughts. Um, yeah, this was not a, it was not a great fight. Um, I, I sort of echo what Joe says in terms of Brunson. And, uh, I, th- I think we did see some improvements in this fight. I know it was tough to see just with how lackluster the entire performance was by both competitors, but I think Brunson going to hard knocks certainly paid off a little bit. It seemed like he was able to, you know, really figure Elias out because a lot of fighters haven't. I mean, look at Eric Anders. Uh, you know, he wasn't, I thought that was a fight that he was going to win and Elias went out there and had a good game plan and survived. But, um, I think the biggest thing we learned from this fight is that Elias really hasn't improved. I mean, it's just, he sort of plateaued to a certain degree and I think we saw that in this fight I mean this was a fight that was supposed to be a winnable fight I think for Elias I don't know what the betting odds were I believe he was he might have been a slight favorite but um, you know where do you go from here he's lost now to Brunson and Brad Tavares clearly he's not in that upper sort of echelon of the division I don't know where he goes from here but I I wonder and I I mentioned this on my podcast the other day um, you know maybe a camp switch up would be good because whatever he's doing it's not there's no moments when you watch Elias fight and you think like wow, there's some potential of him, you know, getting to that Luke, you know, that the, not Luke Rocco, but like Yoel Romero or, you know, uh, Calvin Gaslam type level. He hasn't really evolved to that level. So that's that. And for Brunson, yeah, I mean, take the win and just keep moving on. But uh, I mean, Brunson only lose to, loses to really good fighters. When I watched this entire show, I saw two must-watch fights. Macy Shiasen for for what she could be in the future and the main event. That's it. However, there were several fighters that I looked at and said, well, they could be something, or maybe they've been a little bit misread. Shane Burgos beating Cub Swanson. Cub Swanson's done at the top levels. It, it ain't coming back. He had a good performance. Uh, Mirab Vavashvili should be 4-0 in the UFC, in my yeah. estimation. Yeah. Yep. He should be. He got uh, robbed against Frankie Sines, and that Ricky Simone fight, we we talked at length about that. And the Brad Katona uh, win is a good one. Walt Harris is a is very misread in my estimation. And this fight or this show needed this finish so bad. This <laughs> was just trudging along. And you look, and he, he won that fight very quickly. He beat Arlovsky, and the fight was overturned, but they didn't think he, he had intentionally done that. He won that fight. He was going to win that fight no matter what. He beat Daniel Spitz. He mopped the floor with him, no big deal. The Mark Godbeer fight was a DQ, like it was a loss. That's a bummer, but uh, he, he wasn't beaten in that fight. The Fabricio Verdum fight, first off, who knows what Fabricio Verdum was on at that time? He was back there uh, possibly freebasing EPO or something for all we know. Oh, like snorting turtle blood or something. Like I don't know what what the hell – Fabricio Verdum was doing. That's a joke, by the way, people watching at home. I don't really think that Fabricio Verdum is ever free-based. But he literally took that fight on a day's notice, less. Before that, he beat Surreal Asker, Chase Sherman. So I'm looking at Walt Harris since 2017, and I'm like, man, the guy might have a little bit of something. Uh, This was a good performance. And we're talking about a guy who overcame a lot. He got bounced out of the UFC his first time. He came back, and he got beaten. Then when he, he beat Cody East, that'll make anybody happy because Cody East is a giant piece of shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, he is. He's a mega piece of shit. Uh, Google him, guys. But uh, 
Tell us how you really feel, Sean. I was going to say, you may want to explain that, but yeah, Google it. Uh, Yeah, just Google it. Cody Ace is a piece of shit. (laughs) I'm not saying that Walt Harris is the top 10, top five fighter, but James, after this, I could see him taking on a tie to Ivasa. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm not as impressed as you were. I like Walt. Good guy. He's actually a big hockey fan. That was one of the things I found out when I interviewed him, which is always a plus for this Canadian right here who's also a big hockey fan. But uh, I mean, he's 35 years old, which I guess in the heavyweight division means you're like 20. But uh, nonetheless, um, you know, he took on a a short notice guy who didn't really have a lot of experience. I I think the win is good. I think he'll continue to move up. But I mean, Walt Harris has been, I just, I think the word disappointing is is kind of a good way to describe him just in terms of, you know, his first stint with the UFC and then his second stint now. Like, um, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more but um you know certainly this this helps for the division because they need guys to get on winning streaks there's been a lot of confusion in that division outside of some of the top guys joe we also uh we we saw some other performances on this show that that caused a a big leap for some of these people andrew sanchez won but eh. the aforementioned shane burgos you had vince morales beating amen zahabi nordine taleb outclassed a guy that he was probably supposed to but the thing is while this show was going on and we're seeing guys ask to be put in arm triangles, like <laughs> handing them over, we're seeing Buller and Juan Adams and Cole Smith and Mitch Gagnon, these fights just are not good. You got a 39-year-old Nordine Taleb snoozing his way to a win. Then over on Bellator, you got a guy doing a 360 tornado right hook knockout. What? Man. This wasn't a hot show, Joe, but did anything else stand out to you? A few things. Well, first things first, just to echo a bit of what James was saying about Walt Harris. Listen, that performance, that speed, he said in his post-fight interview, no one's got the hand speed that I do. Great promoting yourself sort of thing. It's a great win, but again, you have to, whenever you see any athletes competing uh, in mixed martial arts, male or female, as always, I say, take a look at the caliber that they just defeated, okay? Uh, take nothing away from Spivich, or Spivak. He's not on Walt Harris's level. He's new to the UFC. Walt Harris uh, in this fight should have shined, and he did shine. So give 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 credit to Walt for that. Uh, he looked pretty good. Now it's time we need to see him uh, against the upper echelon again. Uh, he deserves that. One person or a couple of guys that, that did stand out for me, uh, you know, Marc-Andre Berrio. Although he did lose to, to Andrew Sanchez, that could have went either way, man. Although the fact that he got out-wrestled in the third round, it, it made me think to myself when I was watching that third round, guys, I was like, this is why MMA sucks sometimes. This is why MMA sucks on a judging perspective. Because although Andrew was trying to get that takedown and working relentlessly to get that takedown, it went from a fight to a wrestling slash mixed martial arts, I'm going to play within the rules, the referee's not going to do anything because I'm working type of bout. Marc-Andre was fighting his tail off. And in that second round, put on an amazing performance. This kid is absolutely fantastic, in my opinion. Unfortunately, he lost because of how we score mixed martial arts bouts. Fair is fair. Sanchez deserved that third round. He got a 10-9. It cost uh, Marc-Andre the fight. I get it. No problem. Uh, But moving forward, I would suggest everyone at 185 pounds pay very close attention uh, to Berrio because I think he's a badass. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Macy Chase on uh, damn... Damn good performance, let's be honest. From that opening takedown, as soon as that fight started, I was impressed how she defeated Sarah Morass. Uh, and it is more ass, by the way. She told me personally, <laughs> more ass. Look me dead in the eye. You can look up the clip on YouTube. You can look up the clip on Sportsnet. She specifically said, more ass. So, 
you know, Sarah lost. Yes, Sarah lost. Macy, uh, an absolutely fantastic performance. Uh, I didn't mind the Matt Sales, uh, Kyle Nelson fight per se, even though it ended in the third. But Kyle Nelson's got heart, man. That dude's got a heart. He will not go away. But when you get beat up that much, eventually you, you may want to look for a way out or you just cannot defend uh, a submission. So uh, good on Kyle Nelson, but great on Matt Sales uh, for pulling off that performance. Uh, I don't know what you guys think of that Buller fight. Uh, obviously not overly impressive, but the Canadian got his hand raised in victory in the heavyweight division. I like that they tried to make a story out of the Bueller fight. I yeah. like that they, they brought up the, the the bad blood between the two. I like that. There was also the WWE connection I mentioned. That was interesting to some of our viewers. James, anything else stand out to you on this show? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, Cole Smith, what a huge bantamweight this guy is uh, as far as his stature and everything. Got himself in some trouble against Mitch Gagnon. Ends up uh, pulling out the win there. Uh, should be interesting to see where he goes and how much longer he's going to fight at 35 because he's such a big guy. Um, I, I wonder how much longer he's going to you know be able to fight in that weight class. Um, yeah, and here's the thing with Arjun. So Brendan Fitzgerald said Arjun Buller. Bruce Buffer said Arjun Bueller. Yeah. I've called him Arjun Buller before and he never said anything. So I don't know. I have to, I have to clarify that because I, I wasn't sure. I noticed that People on the bracket. And I was like, I'd just say how, how it was on the broadcast. Yeah. Cause they, well, yeah. Cause yeah. Buffer said Bueller, like Ferris Bueller. Um, but, um, but no, I thought, uh, you know, this, that wasn't a great fight. I think that, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, for Adams, he's so inexperienced in terms of his MMA career. He's got just what, six, six fights now. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, Buller, uh, you know, looked good overall, but yeah, not, not a super exciting fight. I think the fight with Arlovsky makes sense. I wonder if the UFC, uh, cause he's, he's a free agent now. I wonder if the UFC is actually going to resign him. I would assume they would. He's friends with DC, uh, but you never know with that type of stuff. Matt sales look great. Uh, Kyle Nelson, um, you know, I think has some work to do as far as his ground game goes. I thought sales is a pretty exciting prospect and, you know, his loss before that against Shaman Marais, no slight on that. I think Marais is very good as well. Uh, but sales is only 25, lots of potential there. Um, I'd like to see Kyle Preplek fight in his natural weight class at 155. He fought, Basically a middleweight in Nordin Taleb. A um, lot of heart in that one. I thought Kyle Stock, if anything, went up. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, I think he'll look a lot better uh, in the next bout. And for Taleb, I mean, that's good to get back on the winning track. How about Eamon Zahabi? Yikes, that's two losses in a row now. This is a fight he yeah. should have won. And this fight in general was not great, uh, not to take anything away from Vince Morales, good game plan and all that. But uh, Zahabi's really fallen from grace here. And he, I, I mean, you know, 31, it's not like he's a, an up and comer at this point. Um, he's got to figure it out. Um, yeah, Macy Chasson looked amazing. Andrew Sanchez. Um, I think we have to talk a little bit about his resurgence, uh, going to TriStar. He looks a lot better. I think some, I think, you know, if that, the Andrew Sanchez who fought a couple fights ago fights Barrio, he's probably getting finished. I don't know what the difference has been, but it seems like he's really worked on a lot of things and, uh, that, that was a good win for him. And, uh, too bad the Canadian fans weren't on his side. And quickly on Bellator, again, my biggest issue with Bellator is why are you going head to head? Like, I missed a lot of this, uh, you know, the, the card. I just caught up on sort of the highlights, you know, with Sal Rogers and Carvalho with that impressive knockout. Um, you know, the, the, the Raymond Daniels video game knockout and all that. And Brent Primus, I mean, a lot of people wrote that guy off when he fought Chandler. And, you know, here he is. He went the distance with Chandler. Now he gets a first round finish. He's another guy for Bellator that I think is criminally underrated and uh, no one talks talking about his gogo plata uh because of the fact that they had this ufc card as well so i'd like to see bellator figure out a way to get events that aren't coinciding with ufc all the time but there that's my two cents on everything yeah we see it again this week and we're yeah, about to I know. talk about it ufc versus bellator and a couple of real good cards to be quite honest with you just really really great looking shows uh, we don't have full betting odds on bellator because for some reason uh nobody ever issues the full ones but Let's go ahead and talk about Bellator 221. A lot of times, guys, we can preview a Bellator show with one comment each over the course of about two minutes. It's a little <laughs> bit different this time. Finally. Uh, 
yeah, the, the prelims are there's nothing you really got to catch there. But the the main card looks pretty good. Taiwan Claxton, a guy who they built up, taking on James Bennett. You have Jake Hager, the former Jack Swagger, taking on TJ Jones. Now, obviously, Jack Swagger is going to gain the attention of wrestling fans on our site. Taiwan Claxton, a big prospect. I like how they do this. They've got a couple prospects, one of which has a big name already, uh, James. And, and that's how they, they kick off this show on DAZN. What, what do you think of these two? And I think it's pretty obvious both of these are, are big favorites and both of these are expected to win and Bellator both, wants both of them to win. Yeah, this is the same formula they did a few weeks ago with uh, Gaston Bolanos when he fought. Um, you know, again, they're just trying to showcase, uh, you know, like, like a hot, an up-and-coming prospect right off on the main card, which I think is good. This is, uh, you know, you look at the records here, 4-1 against 4-0. I think this is a fight they're, they're banking on Claxton to win. Uh, same thing with Jake Hager. You know, people might take issue with him fighting a one-on-one guy, but that's the point. You have to build him up a little bit. You can't just throw him to the wolves and, you know, have a situation where you have, uh, you know, an up-and-comer sort of losing fights. Um, you know, uh, again, interesting. Hager didn't do a lot of media for this fight i haven't i've have yet to see an actual interview that he's done uh, i actually tried to interview him and i know that uh there's you know nothing against me it's just i don't think he's doing a lot of interviews we did talk to josh rafferty uh his coach if you see that here on fightful we got a lot uh, some insight on his training camp and everything but uh yeah i mean fights that that they should win both these guys should win um you know when betting odds do become available i always say just avoid it but it seems like bellator wants to you know sort of set these guys up and, and push them ahead and you know aj mckee to a certain degree is still a prospect as well a uh, big fight here against pat kern i know we'll talk about that but uh name value wise this actually looks like almost a better card than the ufc in terms of some of their prospects and some of the people they're showing i know i'm a little crazy for saying that but i like some of the names on here and these are a lot of these fights are pretty interesting joe uh your, your thoughts on these these early fights and as we step up we get aj mckee versus pat curran that's a good one aj mckee's probably winning this but yeah, Pat Kearns, you know, he's, he's been fighting for so long that eventually that MMA mileage does catch up to you. I, I, I'm going to look over, or I'm going to lean to AJ McKee in this one here. But I am, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see where Hager's going to end up here, right? I mean, people can say what they want about his opponent. Listen, you, like James said, you can't just sit there and put this guy against your top heavyweights. You have to build him correctly. You have to look at his own experience and, and say, okay, where is he at right now? And if he starts pulling off these crazy first-round finishes the way, you know, sometimes prospects do – yeah, move him up. But right now I'm going to be paying attention to, uh, to Jake Hager and see how he does. We also have two rather big fights. Welterweight Grand Prix semifinal. Douglas Lima versus MVP Joe. Can he get it done? He being MVP. No. <laughs> I mean, you're asking me to, to pick against a, a – to, so, well, I did pick against Diego Lima last – or two weeks ago, so I should watch my mouth. But Douglas Lima is my boy. I like Douglas Lima. I think he's just underrated. Still think he should have got that win versus Rory McDonald, but he's en route to winning this tournament, in my opinion. James, your thoughts? I love this fight. Um, I don't love this fight for Michael Page. I think the last fight against Daly, uh, even though he won that fight, I think it really showed that he's not on that level yet. And Lima, I mean, this is a guy who nearly beat Rory, Rory McDonald. And I know say what you want about Rory lately, but um, you know, Lima is still he's he's a UFC caliber welterweight. I don't think Michael Page is. I could be wrong here. I mean, if this stays standing, you never know. Page could do something different. But I think we've had sort of the two tests for Michael Page to see where he's at. Paul Daly and Fernando Gonzalez to a certain degree. And those were not great fights, both of them. Um, Douglas Lima is never in a bad fight. And uh, I think, you know, the, the, this last loss, if I'm not mistaken, other than Rory was Koreshkov when he just basically, you know, wasn't hundred percent. So I think we're going to see a really good Douglas Lima here, but I expect him to win. I'd be really surprised if MVP pulls this off just based off, based off both of their last fights. I think uh, Lima has really evolved and, uh, you know, is one of the top uh, welterweights that they have on the roster. 
What do you think MVP could do to win? Does he have to be aggressive? Because as we've seen, when he's not, it can lead to a painfully boring fight and one that maybe doesn't suit him so well, James. Yeah, I think it's it's maybe getting to the punch first. Uh, I know Lima was actually training in Thailand for this fight, so it really looks like he shored up his striking even more. Um, you wonder if Paige, I, I mean, it's, it's tough to say, right? Like, it's not like Paige can take him down and try and out-wrestle him. I mean, that, that was, you know, something that Rory was able to do and Koreshkov when they first fought on the first Koreshkov fight. Um, but that's not going to happen here. So I think um, I think the reality is, is that Paige is just basically got to try and be the better striker. And, and that's going to be very tough against Douglas Lima, who in his own right is a very accomplished striker. Joe, what, what do you think is, is MVP's best opportunity to walk away with the win? And if you're Bellator, who do you want to win this fight? Oh, that's a very good question. The latter question is very good. Uh, let me put some thought into that while I express my opinion of Michael Page having to beat Douglas Lima to the punch, use his speed, uh, and don't let Douglas Lima even set up, you know, take a page from Macy Chason's book and, or sorry, uh, Sarah Morasso's book and right with the gloves touch, do your thing. Don't even waste time. Don't even try and gain your distance. Don't try and figure out time. You just go in there and, and punish Douglas Lima and make him work on the defensive uh, and try and get away from you and just keep punishing him because if Lima sets and Lima gets ready, you'll start chopping away, right? So uh, Michael Page has to just be fast, be quick, uh, use his speed uh, and try and, uh, you know, Knockout or TKO Douglas Lima as to who do I think Bellator would want to win? Who moves the needle more, right? Which one of these guys moves the needle? Uh, and I would lean towards Venom Page, right? Because uh, not many people are talking about Douglas Lima despite his experience. But in terms of uh, the better fighter, I think it's Douglas Lima. But who moves the needle, guys? You tell me. I think Michael Page moves it more. I do too. I, I really do. Main event, Michael Chandler. Headlining against the Pitbull brother, Joe. Here we go. Here you we go. Sean's going to go off. You know it's Bellator when you got a Pitbull brother in there. Uh, Bellator just loves the Pitbull brothers. And the only thing they love more than the Pitbull brothers is uh, when you get to fight one multiple times. And that's, that's like what Chandler's career is. It's rematches and Pitbull brothers. This one against uh, Patricio. How do you see this one going, Joe? Uh, Chandler has been on a real roll because, quite honestly, it was four or five years ago, it looked like Chandler was done at the top levels of Bellator. His kryptonite was Will Brooks. Yeah. But he's come back and he's had this amazing run. Uh, You could argue that he's not really been beaten because he had that Brent Primus injury. How do you see this one going? I just think the I think Chandler is going to overwhelm him. I think Michael Chandler, when he decides that the fight needs to be over, it's generally over. And you know, despite Patrizio, the, the Pitbull brothers have heart. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. They're not just going to go away. Uh, I just think Chandler is going to eventually pick him apart and then overwhelm him. And I think he'll get the finish in the third or fourth round. James, your thoughts? Feel pretty much the same way. In, in most cases, I usually like going with the the fighter who's fought in that weight class longer. I mean, we, no one's really talking about, it, but this is the equivalent of basically Bellator's version of um, you know Dustin Poirier and Max Holloway to a certain degree. Um, although I guess that you know Poirier wasn't a champion there, but uh, still, it's very interesting to see their featherweight champion move up here. Um, yeah, I, I would have to favor, favor Chandler, but I mean, Pitbull—he's always in every fight. Like it's you know even like you know the Emmanuel Sanchez fight, which is an extremely tough matchup. I mean, he he you know ekes out that one. He always finds a way to get it done. 
Um, I'd be curious to see how he adjusts. And what's interesting too, is that Patricio has actually been training in the US uh, for the majority of this camp. He's been training with Henry Cejudo. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they've had a long sort of friendship and, and all that, and they've been uh, training together. And what's interesting is Chandler's actually trained a bit with uh, TJ Dillashaw. So, um, you know, there, there's all, you know, there's obviously, uh, you know, so a bit of a rivalry there between Cejudo and, and Dillashaw. Um, so we'll, we'll see if the it's paid off. And again, with Cejudo, you're getting that, you know, superior wrestling, uh, you know, obviously in this camp. So uh, we'll see if that ends up paying, paying off for him in this fight. But I like the fact that he's been uh, stateside for this matchup. I think that's going to help him in this fight. The uh, betting odds on this, we have, I think, two fights where it actually has betting odds set up. Michael Chandler, a minus 230 favorite over uh, Patricio, uh, who is a plus 190. Douglas Lima, a minus 240, while Michael Page is a plus 200. How do those set for you, James? Do you agree with them? Yeah, I think the lines are right where they need to be. Um, yeah, I think like like with uh, Lima being a bit more of a favorite uh, than Chandler is over Freite, I think that makes sense. Just again, uh, Page's last performance not not a great not a great one. Um, and with Chandler, you know he's the champ. He's he's hardly lost at all. Uh, they haven't signed Will Brooks, so he should be steering the clear there. But uh, yeah, I think um, I, I think I think the lines are right where they need to be for sure. How about you, Joe? I think there's value in the underdogs. I'm not going to lie to you, I would not make either one of these favorites uh, in the minus 230s 30s to minus 240. Uh, I would make them minus 190s, minus 180s. So I think you've got value uh, on, on Friday as well as Page. Uh, although I do believe Chandler and Lima are going to win. I just think the odds are a little bit uh, higher than I thought. We also have UFC 237, and this is a pretty good show, at least as far as name value goes. Let's take a look from uh, the bottom one up. You have Talita Bernardo and Melissa Gatto. I need to pull up the odds there. Wow, Talita Bernardo, a minus 475. Gatto, a plus 380. This immediately followed by a couple of other monumental lines. Uh, Rayoni Barcelos, a minus 550 against Carlos Huachin Quiros, a plus 425, James. You don't see many fights in the UFC with lines like this, much less two in a row. Oh, by the way, as we'll get to later, these aren't even the biggest lines. Yeah, um, it seems like some of these fights, they clearly want someone to win here. But I think with the Barcelos fight, it was a switch up, actually. Was he not supposed to fight someone else, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, yeah, he was supposed to fight a Sadner Madoff on this card, and he got an injury. So this is a short notice opportunity here for uh, Quiores. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I expect both of the favorites to win in this one. Barcelos, I think, is amazing at 135. He just hasn't fought that much. I think that's why he doesn't get brought up as one of sort of you know the, the, the rising uh, fighters in that division. Um, and yeah, I think um, I think both of these. I mean, you, there, there's a lot of that on this card. You, there's a couple like heavy favorites on this one that I think are probably going to end up winning. Joe, in addition to this, you have Warley Alves a minus one forty five versus Sergio Marias a plus one twenty five. Priscilla Cachoeira a plus one forty five underdog, and Luana Carolina a minus one sixty five. Kurt Hollibaugh a plus one ten. Tiago Moises a minus one thirty. Uh, then we have up on the, the main card, Loreno Starpoli, uh, Starpoli, a minus 110, even odds with Tiago Alves, a minus 110. Now, outside of uh, Alva Alves, who competed for the title at one point, you have Worley Alves. That, that's a decent name, but uh, these are some of the lesser-known guys on this show because every other show or every other fight on this card has either a pretty big name a pretty big prospect or somebody who has been there before. 
Yeah, I mean, I like the Worley Alvarez Sergio Moraes fight. I think it's going to be a fantastic scrap, and it's there on, on UFC Fight Pass. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, hopefully people get a chance to tune in, but I see what you're saying. And, and I mean, are they really, I mean, what are they doing with this fight here with Tiago Alves um, and Star Poli? I mean, are they, they're, are they really trying to promote Star Poli here? Right. Cause it's a perfect opportunity for them. Right. You beat Tiago Alves, like Sean said, former title contender, UFC 100, George St. Pierre. Mm-hmm. This is your opportunity, son. And if Tiago Alves can, you know, is he now the guy? I know we, we I, I mentioned a while ago that it was Ben uh, Saunders who was the gatekeeper at 170 pounds, is it now Tiago Elvis? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. James, your thoughts? Yeah, I think, uh, I think yeah, they definitely want to be, build up a star pulley. I mean, it's not like they're banking on Elvis to make some crazy comeback. I don't even think he won his last fight. That fight against Max Griffin really should have gone to Griffin in that one. Um, yeah, there's, I think they're just, you know, he's, he's from Brazil. Give him a fight in Brazil. Enjoy it. But hey, if you want to fight in Brazil, you got to fight this you know hot prospect who's only got nine fights. So uh, it should be interesting. But yeah, I, I expect uh, I expect uh, Star Pulley to to take that one. BJ Penn, he's a plus four fifty. Clay Guida, he's a minus six hundred. Holy crap! BJ Penn fighting again. Joe, what are we doing here? I mean, let's be honest. Are these odds not where they need to be? BJ Penn is a shell of a shell of his former shell of himself, right? He's just not that athlete anymore, and I, 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 he shouldn't be fighting, especially not just the fact that he's not that fighter anymore. Look at all the trouble that's going on in his life outside of fighting, right? I mean, this guy mentally, is he actually going to be there? Now, would it be absolutely amazing if he pulls off a, a victory? Sure. When's the last time he submitted someone? It's been a while, right? Uh, you know, his boxing was one of the best – yeah, in a decade. His boxing was widely considered what you know. He was the prototypical guy that we would talk about boxing back in the day, long before there was a fight field. But back in the day, we used to talk about how this is how you box in mixed martial arts, and this is what you do when a guy tries to take you down. And you know, BJ Penn was that was the the, the model of what we would emulate. And now he's taking on a guy in Clay Guida, who you know is just going to be, you know, it's going to be faster and going to do anything possible to take him down. And BJ's takedown defense hasn't looked spectacular lately. And if he gets taken down, Clay Guida is going to sit there and try and pound him. BJ's, you know, jujitsu is really going to have to be on point in this fight here. So um, even though it's plus 450, I'm going to have to be waiting for Sean uh, in about, what, 20 minutes to determine if he's got all, he's got five on BJ Penn. So we'll see. Hell no, I don't. Well, we don't all have right. to wait 20 minutes, guys. We have to wait you know two what? seconds. In fact, I might have five on Clay Guida. Oh, my. At plus or minus 600. Oh my God. I mean, you compare the gas tank of Clay Guida to that of BJ Penn. This could be tragic, James. Yeah. And and like Joe mentioned, I mean, BJ, not just dealing with stuff inside the cage with the fact that he's, you know, on a big losing streak, but obviously the legal stuff that's happening outside as well. There's just so much going on. And this fight's in Brazil. Like, I, I think he's actually been training there for this camp, but still, I just. It's not going to bode well for BJ. It would, it would have to take a miracle for him to go out there and, and get a victory. Um, I mean, we've seen crazier stuff happen in this sport, but uh, I, I'm not liking his chances. The line is exactly where it needs to be. 
Betch Kohea at plus 240. Irene Aldana at minus 280. Considering that Betch Kohea is not good at MMA, I think this line is about where it belongs, James. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, and she's had a layoff, and you know, she hasn't fought since the home matchup. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think the line's right where it needs to be here. Um, it's kind of it, kind of like you mentioned with Thiago Alves. Like you would think the Brazilians, they'd want to give them favorable matchups, but Irene Aldana, um, I mean, she's looked great in, in a lot of her fights, and uh, you know, I think even I remember Joe, you were you and I were there for her fight against uh, Caitlin Chukagan at UFC 210. That's a fight she probably could have won. I mean, I, I think that could have gone either way. Um, she's she realistically could be on a three fight win streak heading into this one, and you're taking on Betch Cohea, who, like I said, hasn't fought since what what was it 2017? Yeah, June of 2017. And uh, she's, you know, 35 years old. I, I think, you know, Aldana should take this. I, I would predict her to win a decision here. Joe, any thoughts on this one? Betch Correa all day. <laughs> okay, no. Aldana will win this fight. I think she'll finish her off probably in the second round. But, uh, you know, as much as we yeah, – listen, to say Betch Correa operates in a different frequency would be an understatement. Uh, and I've seen her outside of the cage, just in general, walking around uh, the various hotels that we always used to stay at when we would cover the UFC in person. She's she's she could be considered an odd duck by many people, but uh, you know, she bites down on her mouthpiece and she goes right. It's just a matter of you know, Aldana could be smart with her her tactics and just stick to a game plan. Um, you know, she'll come out on top of this 135 pound boat. Elsewhere on this show, you have Little Nog a plus 125, Ryan Span a minus 145. I, I don't know if I plus 125 on Little Nog. I may have said minus. Uh, Spain is the the favorite here. Joe, any way on on how this one will last? Obviously, Little Nog a little bit longer of a shelf life than than his bigger brother. Yeah, I think Ryan Span's going to win this, and it takes. I mean, I'm taking nothing away from the career legacy uh, of Rogerio, but at the same time, I, anytime I think about the Nagur brothers, I think their time has come. You know, there's a reason why Big Nog retired, and and Rogerio, I think he's just riding out his contract. I mean, he's. I don't think he has any grand illusions that he's going to be competing for a title or will be in the title mix uh, anytime soon. So again, uh, if there was ever a gatekeeper now at 205 pounds, uh, I don't even think it's Algerio. I think he's below gatekeeper right now, but crazier things have happened in MMA. James, uh, any thoughts on this or any other undercard fights before we get to these uh, really top four pay-per-view fights? Uh, yeah, we'll start first with uh, Little Nog and Ryan Spann. Uh, Ryan Spann, I think, uh, has a good opportunity here to take advantage. And I should mention, you know, a lot of times when Americans go down and fight in Brazil, they only usually get like one cornerman or whatever that is. And, um, you know, in this case, he's actually going to have his full corner because uh, Diego Ferreira, his teammate, is also on this card. So that's kind of good for him. I know sometimes, uh, you know, fighters worry about that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think this is a good showcase fight for him. He's a younger guy. I think he's really come into his own since moving up to 205. Um, so I like his chances here against Little Nog. I know Little Nog just beat Sam Alvey, but I, I like Ryan Spann there. Um, I like Kurt Holliba as an underdog here. Um, you know, Tiago Moises, a uh, really disappointing UFC debut. He's uh, certainly been knocking guys out on the regional scene, but I even go back, uh, you know, not that long ago when he fought Robert Watley in LFA. Uh, he was completely dominated with the wrestling, and I think with Holliba's experience and his grittiness, uh, there's a chance for him to pull off an upset here, and we should mention that Holliba moving back up to 55, he had fought there earlier in his career. Um, he actually kind of bounced back and forth, but now he's back at 155, so not having to worry about the weight cut, I think we'll see a better Kurt Holliba. And other than that, on the on the prelims, uh, you know, again, not very strong here as far as some of the names, but uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be tuning in. UFC two thirty seven, the main fights: Diego Ferreira a minus one sixty five, Trinaldo a plus one forty five. This is an underrated fight uh, within the division. 
James, how, how do you look at this and what does this do for the winner? I think it definitely puts them in sort of that uh, category. We start getting to, you know, getting towards getting big fights. Um, you know, Ferreira has been on a nice run uh, lately, especially his last fight. Rustam Habilov really took it to him in that fight. That was a fight I believe he was an underdog in. Uh, the win before that, Kyle Nelson doesn't tell us too much. Featherweight moving up on a week's notice. Uh, he has that win over Jared Gordon as well. Also has a win over Olivia Aubin Mercier. The issue with uh, Ferreira is just, you know, he had that, I believe he was busted by USADA. Um, so he, he had a bit of a layoff in between, I think it was what, 2016 and 2018. Um, but he's getting momentum now. And he's at a good camp at Fortis. I really like what that team's doing. Um, good opportunity here for Trinaldo. I mean, I know both are Brazilian, but uh, I would think with, you know, you got a 40-year-old guy in Trinaldo fighting a 34-year-old guy in um, in, uh, in, in um, Diego Ferreira, you would think you'd want sort of the younger guy to win here. But I, I really like the improvements that Ferreira's made. Um, I think he's going to take this one here. I know Trinaldo, a lot of experience, has a pretty good, uh, you know, winning streak himself. But uh, I think Ferreira really takes it to him in this fight and just, again, shows that evolution in his game that we're seeing from fight to fight. Joe, did it surprise you that you have a guy coming off of a four-fight winning streak in Ferreira taking on a 40-year-old guy who's one lost, one lost his last four? It's It's been a, a carousel for Trinaldo the last uh, since about 2016 after he had that hot streak where he's beaten like Gancy Medeiros and Paul Felder and all these people. Did that surprise you? No, because you took the words out of my mouth, right? I was, I, I was surprised when this match first came out, but I do understand because it is in Brazil. Right, so they want to showcase this, and you know you're going to get a really good fight for both of these two guys. The odds of it being boring are very, very slim, uh, only because Trinaldo's a truck. We know that the guy's a beast, right? And Ferreira's got to do his work, right? He's got to punish, you know, the older guy. He's got to show the youth factor. I think, like James said, I think he will. I think he's going to showcase a lot here. But what does it really mean for him uh, when it comes to the rankings? Because right now he's got to get past Islam Makachev. Uh, at number 15. Uh, Oliveira is at number 14. So it's an opportunity for him and the people that vote on the panel to say, you know what, this guy did enough here to be put into the top 15. So I don't know if he will, but uh, with that being said, uh, I do think he emerges victorious in this fight. Does it surprise you guys that this fight is on the main card or the Tiago Alves fight over the Little Nog, Betch Cohea, or BJ Penn fights, James? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, name value wise, these aren't like two bigger names. I would figure little nog just with his age and what he's done in the sport would probably get that slot instead. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. And even, even Alva's on there seems a little bit weird. Um, you, you figured to some degree, I guess, cause of the losing streak and maybe because of his legal stuff too, you figured BJ Penn, just maybe this is a swan song. You'd want to put him on a main card, but um, yeah, I guess I guess the UFC has other other plans. I think I think for the Alves fight, it's a showcase for Sarah Poli, and maybe they're really banking on Ferrer to get another impressive like finish or something like that. I don't know. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, that I would have put Little Nog and Span on there because Span's an up and comer in a division that needs prospects at 205. Joe, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I, I think I do kind of understand what the UFC is doing here. Obviously, with Ryan Span, um, you know, it, you can close off the prelims uh, with a nice win or a, a spectacular fight, a name value that gets people talking uh, into going into the pay-per-view. And then you got a really exciting fight uh, with Ferreira and Trinaldo, like I mentioned before. Uh, and then you got the showcase, in my opinion, of what they're trying to do with Star Poli, right? Uh, you know, win or lose, it's that, this is the type of fight that wins for the UFC because if, if Alves wins, hey, he's still relevant at 170 pounds. And if he loses, oh, who's this Star Poli guy? Uh, as for BJ Penn uh, and Clay Guida, uh, I think this more or less potentially will have people tuning in right off the top of the broadcast and not waiting until a little bit later on to tune in. So that kind of, you know, they're, they're hoping to probably get their ratings uh, right off the top and carry it to the very end of the show. 
You also have uh, Anderson Silva, a plus 130. Jared Cannonier, a minus 150. I think Anderson Silva is better than a lot of people still give him credit for, but it's a matter of pulling the trigger and having an Anderson Silva-esque performance. I don't know how many more of those that we're going to see or how many of those he has in him. He is 44 years old. That just – it doesn't happen a lot these days uh, with Anderson Silva. He has not finished anybody since Stefan Bonner. So that's how long it's been, Joe. Does he, does this happen, or does Jared Cannonier or does he ride out a win, or does Jared Cannonier take it? I don't even know what to think anymore. If you if you're ever asking me for moving forward, I think I stopped doing it a while ago. When it comes to Anderson Silva, I just I can't figure out the enigma. Right, I just can't figure out how the you know the greatest of all time, um, you know, has, has just derailed. I mean, I go way back uh, to the Patrick Cote fight in Chicago, then the Damian Maya fight, uh, which I think was in Dubai or yeah. Abu Dhabi, uh, and and thought to myself, what are you doing? Like you have the opportunity to go down as the Mike Tyson of MMA, the destroyer, the 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 guy that we used to always think about um, as, as seeing fighting in slow motion, having that Matrix-like uh, mentality. Uh, and that all changed, uh, starting for me back then um, with the Cote fight, then the Damian Maya fight, uh, and then, of course, the first Chris Weidman fight. Uh, or, you know, sometimes, sometimes people just get caught. Their lesson is learned. You know, you don't, you don't mess around in a fight. It's been going on that long for me when it comes to Anderson Silva, where I still believe that, you know, maybe it's my brain that's going all vintage and, and still thinks that this guy can just do that Matrix-like stuff. But, you know, Sean said it. It's October 13, 2012 was the last time Anderson Silva got a finish. So uh, I, I don't know what to say. Cannoneer is just, you know, if, if he tags Anderson Silva, it'll be interesting to see how Anderson reacts. But, you know, if, if Anderson pulls off a vintage performance, guys, what are we going to say, you know, on, on Sunday morning? What do you say? James, we, we like I said, we haven't seen this out of Anderson Silva. He fought Israel Adesanya and had a fight of the night. He beat Derek Brunson. He took a very emergency fight against Cormier. He had a fight of the night against Bisping, which many think that he should have won or could have won. He beat Nick Diaz, and then he had the Weidman fights. So it's been so inconsistent and controversial and back and forth with did he win, did he not win, Will he win this fight? And what does this mean for Jared Cannonier if he wins? Well, it's huge for Jared Cannonier. I mean, taking out a former middleweight champion, Anderson Silva, looks great on anyone's resume. The thing is, this fight is a lot closer than I think people are giving it credit for. I'm just looking at the betting odds right now. Um, they've got, yeah, Cannonier at minus 150. I, I, I think that's probably about right, actually. Um, you know, you can't get him being a two to one favorite. Because here's the thing, and Israel Adesanya found this out you can't go out there and knock out Anderson Silva. He, he's, he's tough to finish. I mean, Weidman broke his leg, and then Weidman knocked him out as well. But other than that, he's not, you, you can't finish this guy. So can't near, I mean, that's what he did in his last fight. He went out there and knocked out David Branch. And it wasn't until that second round. I mean, people forget David Branch in that first round was actually winning the fight, in my opinion. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, can't near certainly looks better at middleweight, but I don't expect him to go out there and knock out Anderson Silva. What I think could happen is he could go out there and perhaps outstrike Anderson Silva. I know that's crazy, but we've seen times where Silva 
is kind of just not, uh, you know, been super aggressive. Like the Bisping fight is a good example where, you know, I think he could have won that fight. He nearly, well, in my opinion, he knocked out Bisping. They kind of screwed that one up when, the, when that all happened. I, but that's, I agree. That, that, that's, a, that's a story for another day. But um, if you remember in the later rounds, Bisping took over because he had more cardio and he was just being more aggressive. And Cannoneer could potentially do that. He's fresh. He just woken up. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and I think, uh, I think there's a good opportunity here for, um, yeah, for Cantonier to win. But, uh, again, Anderson's so tough to finish. Like, I don't think there's a clear path. Like Cantonier's not going to submit him. He's not going to knock him out. So he really just has to hope to be the faster and more well-conditioned fighter. I don't know. I have my doubts. I mean, if we're looking at this fight from an odds perspective, plus 130 for Anderson Silva is great value in my opinion. Um, so I would, I would put a bet on him, but if I have to pick, I'll go Cantonier just cause, uh, even though he is 35, which is different than 44, um, you know, it's still not a spring chicken, but I, I think he'll get it done as far as that goes. But, and by the way, this is the co-main event. We skipped over Aldo and Volkanovski, oh, which is not the co-main event. We're going there. Okay. So you're doing Aldo, a, really a minus 140, getting some respect from the betters. A lot of people thought that he was done at these higher levels. Volkanovski, a plus 120. Boys, this is a fight. This is a fight. Aldo claims he's going to retire at the end of the year. So who knows what a win for him means. I know that a win for Volkanovski means a whole lot. Can he stop the, first off, the leg kicks of Jose Aldo, which will saw right through you, Joe. But uh, this is a life-changing fight for Volkanovski. This gets him out of the conversation of, can he compete at those higher levels to, you damn right he can, and we should probably give him a title fight. I expect Volkanovski to give absolutely no respect to Jose Aldo the minute the referee steps out of the way. I think he's going to take away Aldo's space and Aldo's going to be backtracking and have to use those late kicks to eventually stop Volkanovski from moving forward because Volkanovski knows he's in quote-unquote hostile territory. I know we throw that around and uh, every media outlet and fan throws that around whenever you're going down to Brazil. Uh, but it is hostile territory when you're not Brazilian. So uh, I think he'll tune it out. I think he'll cut the, the, the cage off and go after Aldo. Uh, and if this one goes 15 minutes, I will be surprised. I think somebody's going to sleep in this one. James? I'm not making the same mistake I did with the Hainato Moicano fight. I, I'm going to take Aldo in this fight. Um, you know, Aldo... It's just, it's such a weird thing. Again, like I was talking about patterns in MMA. Like you would think the way Aldo lost to Holloway, that that was it. That was the peak Aldo. And then here he goes out and knocks out Jeremy Stevens. And then he knocks out Renato Moicano, who's, you know, a, a great prospect in his own right. Um, Volkanovsky has looked awesome himself. I mean, he completely dismantled Jeremy Kennedy a couple fights ago, you know, knocked out Chad Mendez. But Aldo, to me, is still at the top of that division, and I think that his experience and the fact that it doesn't seem like he's taking his gas off the pedal. Let's not also forget the fact this is in Brazil. I mean, this guy has some of his best performances when he's fighting in his home country. Um, I got to go Aldo here, but saying that, if Volkanovski goes out there and does something crazy and finishes Aldo, it would not surprise me because this guy, I think we haven't seen the best Alex Volkanovski yet. He just seems to be getting better every fight. Um, this is a tough one. It really is a coin flip, but I got to go with experience here, and I got to go with Jose Aldo. I got to go with Aldo as well. Is there, of course, there's a chance. But what do you think the chances are, James, that Jose Aldo sticks around a little bit longer than what he had said? Now, granted, every few months we hear that he wants to be a soccer star, a kickboxer, a boxer. He wants to get into competitive crocheting. Like there's a lot of different things that he, he's not putting his eggs all in one basket. 
I think we'll see him stick around depending on how this fight goes. It's really going to determine a lot. And also for the featherweight division itself, if Aldo wins this fight, they're absolutely going to do Edgar and Holloway, I would imagine. I, that, that has to be the fight they're doing because they're not going to do a, a third fight with, with Holloway. And if they do, what are we even doing here, man? Like wins and losses got to count for something. But um, if Volkanovski wins, then I think Volkanovski bumps Edgar and he gets that shot. Because if, if Volkanovski beats Aldo, that's huge. I mean, Aldo only loses to Max Holloway. And then if you'd have to go back and look even further as far as, you know, McGregor and all the other losses he's had. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think Aldo, depending on how this fight goes. The other thing is, too, if Aldo loses, I've always wanted to see him at 55. He still has a tough cut to get to 145. You know, McGregor's up there now. There's there's a lot of interesting matchups for him at 55. And that's one of the things I asked him last year, if you remember, when we did our coverage at UFC Calgary. I, I said, you know, why not go to 40 or 55 because Max is still the champ and he wasn't interested. But maybe that changes his tune if he loses here on Saturday. But I think he'll get it done. I think he'll get the win. Main event time. And it's a good one. Jessica Andrade, a minus 120 against Rose Namajunas, a plus 100. Rose has been out of things for a while. Uh, it's honeymoon period, so to speak, after her, her victories over uh, Joanna and Jacek has been extended. And it, sometimes it's, it's crazy to think she is 26 years old still. Uh, but she is really just riding a three-fight winning streak despite beating Joanna twice in a row. Her record, very misleading as she is an 8-3 and three pro, but she's won three fights all by finishes on tough I hold those in much higher regard than if somebody won a two-round fight on tough, a, a two-round decision. She finished Joanne Calderwood and Randa Marcos and Alex Chambers, and uh, she has four amateur wins as well. James, th- this this fight is a big one for Rose Namajunas because there are some naysayers that think that maybe she was just a, a great matchup for Joanna, and it's going to be difficult for her to overcome Jessica Andrade. Who are you picking in this, and, and what do you see in this fight? What has happened? Seven of the last eight events uh, and for the UFC, the underdog has won. Last I'm checking on um, these betting odds, Rosanam Yunus is the underdog. And it's very rare to see a champion as an underdog as well, too. But it's, it's certainly happened from time to time. I'm going Rose in this fight, and here's why. I think that, yes, the fact that she was able to put away Joanna was extremely impressive. And I don't think it was a style thing. I think that Rose is really coming into her own. I think if she fought Carolina Kovalkiewicz her last loss, I think that wouldn't even be close. Um, you know, she lost to Carla as well, but that was sort of a mental thing. I guess the only concern is the layoff and the fact that, you know, she had the, the whole bus attack thing. I think it, you know, obviously it did impact her. Say what people can say what they want, but every fighter is different as far as uh, taking that stuff. But here's the thing, guys, she's 26. She's 5'5". Five, five. She's got a 65-inch reach. She's got a great build for the division. I don't think we've seen the best Rose Nami Yunus yet. And as great as Andrade is, I mean, it's so rare to see a straw weight go out and knock out a fighter in the first round like she did in her last fight against Carolina. I just think Rose is is just on another level at this point. And I think that, you know, despite the layoff and despite the things going against her, I think she'll put on a great performance here. I mean, what, what is, is the best revenge to all those fans and all the people saying that she's weak and all this stuff? Would the best revenge not be this long layoff going into Brazil against a home fighter, a home country fighter, and going in there and putting on a, a, an impressive performance. I think we'll see that. I think she's going to really thrive here. And I think she's going to keep the streak going of underdogs uh, coming out on top. I think she gets the win here. Joe, what's your prediction for this main event fight? Well, first and foremost, uh, let, let's break down a couple of things when it comes to Thug Rose. She's 26, right? We discussed that. You don't enter your mixed martial arts prime, technically speaking, until you're 28, and you ride that out until you're 32. You're also talking about a world champion, world champion who's only had 11 fights. She doesn't have MMA mileage on her, and she's taking a year off. So, or she's taking a year off. She hasn't competed in a year. 
which usually doesn't bode well. But there's a reason why she's the champ. There's a reason why she's mentally tough. If you have to compete against Ioana Jacek, you better be mentally tough or you fold under the pressure and she destroys you like Conor McGregor does to some of his opponents or like Johanna's done in the past. She not only did it once, she had to do it twice. And Ioana was widely considered arguably the GOAT uh, in women's MMA. So Thug Rose, in my opinion, emerges victorious in this fight. I think she'll be able to deal with the hostile territory that is Brazil. Uh, I, I just think that she's an absolutely magical fighter. Uh, and any woman that can tell me and Pat Berry to shut our mouths and that we're idiots, I'm going to go with her. So I'm going to do a weekend I got five on it because there's a Bellator show, there's a UFC show. The first one I'm looking at is Patricio Pitbull, a plus 190. I think he is way too good, all jokes about Pitbull brothers main eventing aside, to be a plus 190. I have Chandler with the edge in this fight. But, man, I got to go with Patricio Pitbull. I also got to go with Rose Namajunas at a plus 100. As James mentioned, underdogs often win. And Rose's frame and her skill set, I don't doubt that she can pull something off. And we've seen her with the ability to win from many different positions. Uh, And Josh has that ability, too. And at plus 100, that's not usually one I, I take a flyer on. But in this case, I have to. I also have to take a flyer on uh, Melissa Gatto at a plus 380. I think that women's MMA can sometimes be so unpredictable. And quite frankly, we see them in positions that shouldn't even occur in an MMA cage that lead to finishes and and, um, a a lot of wild happenings. If I had to go with a third out of the UFC, I'm not going with an underdog. I'm going with Clay Guida at minus 600, and I'm putting five on that so you can get a return of about, uh, I don't know, what, negative three cents? You'd <laughs> somehow lose money by betting on Clay Guida and him winning at uh, minus 600. We have a – we have a go ahead, J- James. Oh, we got some breaking news here. Uh, Yoel yeah. Romero, Paula Costa has been verbally, verbally agreed to for UFC 241 on August 17th in Anaheim, the same card as uh, Stipe in D.C. So that was what I was about to bring up. Oh, okay, good. Because I was going to say, usually breaking news happens after the show. It's exactly. like one of the rare times. What's the betting line that that fight gets canceled? Because oh, I, I saw smooth, that coming. A smooth minus 700 that that fight gets canceled. <laughs> uh, what, yeah. what are you putting it at, Joe? You're right. I'm not going to disagree with you, man. We're talking about two guys that you know have a history uh, of issues or – USADA has issues with. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'll, I'll take your line there, Sean. Three and a half months for this fight to screw up, James. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even like the matchup because, like, if, you know, I guess if, if Romero wins, I guess that puts him back in the driver's seat or whatever. But for Costa, I mean, I, I don't know. I still feel like there's, there's more, to, more to be seen out of him. Like, you know, you beat Uriah Hall, you get UL Romero. Doesn't, I know people say Israel kind of had a similar trajectory, but I don't know. I think Costa needs to fight someone a bit. Like, I don't see it going well for Costa. Let me put it that way. Also, Tony Ferguson reportedly in Vegas uh, this week to discuss an upcoming fight. It ain't going to be Poirier. It ain't going to be Habib by the looks of it. Who is it, James? Maybe Connor. Now that they're not in the same management group, uh, Tony signing with uh, Balangi, I believe that's how you say it, um, uh, left paradigm. Maybe that. Um, who else is out there? Maybe Justin Gaethje. Cerrone would be a good one. Cerrone, yeah, I think any of those three would be would be good options. But like I've said with McGregor, and I'll say it, you know, for fiftieth time, you got to give him a fight that you know he can 
he can potentially win. And I don't know if he beats Tony Ferguson with the injuries and the age and everything else and all the other issues Ferguson has. I don't know. Cause I, to me, you got to be careful with Connor. You don't want him losing two in a row. That's not good for business. Joe, uh, who do you think that Tony Ferguson fights? Uh, I was thinking Barbosa, but that rematch with Kevin Lee won't happen. Um, it would be a rematch with Barbosa too. Yeah, they fought yeah. years ago. Yeah, famous. yeah. It's it's tough to say because of, of of the clout that now that that Cerrone has now put himself with. As you get McGregor, he won't get a title shot because Dustin Poirier gets that title shot. They got to unify those titles. McGregor's looking for that opponent. I do like what James has said that now that Ferguson has left uh, Paradigm, that could be an option. But I, I'd like to see McGregor. Gaethje is in the mix. Like who Gaethje deserves. Um, you know, he's one fight away from the title. So it's an interesting mix at 155. I love it. So we are bidding James Lynch farewell. Joe and I are, are here every week. So we'll, we'll, we'll do our closes some other week. But James, as you say, the floor is yours. Ah, there you go. Stealing a line from me. Well, I just want to thank you guys uh, very much for having me on the show. Um, you know, it's been, I, I forget how long, but it's, it's a great part of my Tuesday getting to chat with both of you gentlemen who I look up to very much in this industry. And uh, yeah, I just, um, you know, this is just goodbye for now. You know, you ever want me back on the show? I'm more than happy to come back on. I will be, uh, you know, running the helm at the score going forward. But, uh, you know, don't be a stranger um, to all your all the listeners, anyone that's watched any of my interviews on Fightful. You know, I really appreciate the support. Without you guys, I wouldn't be having opportunities like this. And uh, yeah, just to the both of you, it's been nothing but an absolute pleasure. And, uh, you know, Sean... You know, you think that this is the end of my puns, but you know, you still follow me on Twitter unless you plan on blocking me. These, you know, I had a good one over the weekend with Matt Sales when when Kyle Nelson was, uh, you know, looked like he was uh, doing quite well in that round. I said he took the wind out of his sails, and uh, you know, you didn't like that. So, but the puns will will never die, and uh, yeah, I'll, Fightful will always hold a you know dear place in my heart just because. Again, I, I told the story on Twitter, but I'll repeat it here. You know, when I decided to make the the jump from full time work in my day job to uh, being a freelancer. Uh, Fightful was the first outlet that I that I signed on with, like outside of some of the other outlets I was working for, that could basically make it so I could do this full time. And I had lunch with Jimmy, Jimmy Van, and uh, it was it was really great. And um, yeah, I, I really like I owe Fightful a lot because I don't think I'd be in this position if you know outlets like Fightful, uh, you know, stepped stepped up to the plate and wanted to bring me on board. So I can't thank uh, Jimmy enough and you guys enough. And uh, yeah, there you go. So I'm not going to be like Sally Field. I'll cut it off here. James Lynch is going to kill it. Uh, we thank you so much for. All the great stuff that you've done. I, I often joke, but it's very serious. You've broken more pro wrestling news than about 95% of the pro wrestling writers that exist right now. Like You've done such a great job, especially for what we do in crossover. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. And people can follow James at Lynch on Sports. They can follow Joe at Showdown Joe. He's going to be on there probably yakking it up with Al Quinta about mortgages. And Hell yeah. Real- yeah my license to New York State, James. That's All what right. I got to do. I'll stop trolling you about this stuff when I'm buying a house next year. And I got to ask you a bunch of questions. But uh, FightfulMMA.com rolls on. We have a major weekend this weekend. Make sure you guys tune in. Leave us a thumbs up if you're watching live on YouTube, but we are on podcast platforms everywhere. Till next time, we're out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done.